Hello, listeners. This is Jay Batts, one half of the What If podcast. The uh, audio you're about to hear is the first half of a two-part episode. Uh, we had such a good conversation that uh, the episode is about two hours long, and uh, we want to make sure that you guys are engaged still, so we're going to try to keep this down to about an hour each episode here because we got about two and a half hours worth of uh, content from this interview. Um, we didn't want to let any of it fall to the uh, cutting room floor, so to speak, and uh, we wanted to make sure that you guys got the full uh, the full interview. It was a, a very eye-opening, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you. This is the What If Podcast with J-Bats and Michael. A podcast that answers the questions you never knew you wanted answered. Join us as we explore the possibilities of asking what if. Okay, where's some good stuff? Let's go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, we'll do the intro. Okay. Let's intro it. Okay. Welcome to the What If Podcast. My name is Jay Batts. I'm your host. And I'm Michael. And we are here live with D'Lo Brown. What's going on, fellas? Hey. And Renee. Renee Lucas. Lucas from, she's one of the operators of I am. I am the co-owner of Rival Showdown. All right. Yep. So, awesome. Sorry, we started talking and forgot to turn the recorder on here. It's okay. Here we go. Let's go back and try to remember what we were talking about. We are talking about that you started as a backyard wrestler. Yeah, I started as a backyard wrestler in New Jersey. A friend of mine, Tom Carter wrestler named Reckless Youth. Um, look him up. He was a high flyer long before there were high flyers. Oh, awesome. And um, I, I've told him a million times, I wish I could be half the worker that he was because he was that damn good. Oh, really? Yeah. And as energetic as you are in the ring, damn, I'd like to uh, see him. He, <laughs> and he was, he, was, he was a smaller cruiserweight kind of guy who was, he had the moniker King of the Indies. And this was back in the, early, the, the mid-90s. Oh wow! And he was—he went everywhere. He was badass. I think I might have heard of him. Was it? Was he? Uh, like, what kind of field did he have? Did, was he? Was he kind of? Uh, well, like, like, there's guys that have caught fire in the Indies, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, like, there's guys that have been like, like CM Punk, right? Mm-hmm. He caught fire in the Indies, and then there's Brian Danielson or mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan. I watched your match with him. Which one? The CM? one, the one with the uh, before he had facial hair. <laughs> Daniel Bryan. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, when he was, we were back in a. TWA. Yeah, the Texas one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I beat his ass that night. <laughs> <laughs> he sold it. really well. I, well, he had no choice. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you work with Steph? Did you work with Steph? I, I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> awesome. We, we've, we've since had many conversations about that match, but yeah. So, so was, was, a, was he more of like a, like a CM Punk or a Mark Merrow type? No, he was, he was more of a, he had a grungy look. He wore uh, cut-off jeans. Um... A, uh, a wife beater T-shirt, and just was doing things elevator-wise that people weren't doing at times. Seriously, Google them and YouTube them right now. You'll okay. you'll see. Let's hit pause so we can watch this. So we can come back. Oh, we'll just keep it live. It's okay. Cool. So Google reckless youth. <laughs> this is true. Google reckless youth, and and just watch some of the stuff he was doing, and um, amazing. Well, um, the kind of description you gave me kind of puts me in mind of, uh, like, Billy Kidman. It's very much Billy Kidman, but with athleticism. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Heck yeah. And not that Billy wasn't athletic. Oh, no, no, no. But Tommy could do some stuff that Thomas was... Carter. Yep. Yeah. That's him. Yeah, the signal here in the country is pretty, uh, pretty rotten. Yeah, I live about two miles that way. So. Okay. Oh, well, then it was kind of ironic that we we chose to meet here. Then that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm I'm just staying right up the road at the hotel there. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay, so cool. that makes life easier. Awesome. Awesome. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually kind of surprised that we were able to actually meet up, meet up, because I didn't know if we were doing it over Skype or. Yeah, no, I here. I feel it's better. Some it's better quality if we're doing it in, all in the same room. Oh yeah, no, no, and that's awesome. No complaints at all. Well, it's not going to load, but we'll look him up. We can look him up. It's trying to load. You know what? Put it in post uh, post match. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Put it in. 
Um, so, all right, so let's go ahead and, do we want to jump, uh, jump into the questions? Or? Yeah, go. Okay, all right. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we can go ahead and jump into questions and just do it that way. So, yeah, yeah I was, I've been sort of studying up on you because I haven't, I myself have been like trying to work for a promotion at my job mm-hmm. <laughs> for the last six months and I've been kind of out of everything. And uh, I cut a what culture where you were being interviewed uh, at a... That was at uh, Mania Weekend in New with, York. Yeah, with uh, Godfather beside you. Yes. Mark Henry on the other side of you, yeah. And uh, that actually took a couple of our questions away-ish because it's yeah. already there and we don't want to like rehash stuff. There's some but, questions uh, that we're going to ask you that we know that you've probably been asked. There's the 25 questions at Doom that everybody asks, so it's okay. We are going to avoid the big one that okay. everybody always asks about. Yeah, yeah that one's okay. good. So and, that's and just, you know, we're just going to well, just because we, we've seen, we've we seen enough of those interviews to know yeah. how you feel about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one beat that to death. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, like, you're doing and something then, yeah. that we wish we could have done, so I don't keep talking about that. No, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> but no, um, it's meant as a compliment. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so, I guess the first question, um, oh, first let me preface this by saying, um, since we had the mic off, um, I got to meet D'Lo Brown at Renee's promotion, Rival Showdown. Pro wrestling. If you ever mm-hmm. get a chance to, if you're ever in Bloomington, Indiana, mm-hmm. you guys should swing past and see that. Yes. Um, I intend on seeing the show whenever I'm able to, and I don't have my kids, and can just go, you know, wild out instead of just going, "Hey guys, stay back." You know, so <laughs> it was like a two seven-year-old girl and an eleven-year-old boy who's not really interested in wrestling, which kind of sucks for me. But uh, <laughs> well, they'll get, they'll get there, they'll get there, they'll get there. It was, uh, it was their their first show, um, and I believe. <laughs> When was that? Was that last year? That was October 20th of last year. Okay, October 20th of last yep. year, uh, back in 2018. And um, got to go ahead and meet D'Lo there. They had a really stacked card. It was really, really nice. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a preface as to where I got to meet D'Lo and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess the first question that we would have for you would be, uh, what got you into wrestling? Like, what drew you in? Um Sort of almost uh, already answered that a little bit. But yeah, I've mean, yeah. loved this since I was a kid. Um, uh, nine years old, sitting on my grandma's couch, flicking through TV, and I grew up. I grew up near Philadelphia, so oh, okay. we had three. We had. Um, I don't know how old you guys are. But we had three regular channels, and then on our UHF, we had like three UHF channels. Mm-hmm. Two of them were Jesus stations. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, we had well, we had we had ABC, NBC, CBS, public broadcasting, CBS, uh-huh. and then you would you click the number to UH, UHF, and then you'd go. We had channel seventeen, twenty nine, and forty eight, and so on. Channel twenty nine in our area that was WWF, and it was on. And at the time I remember watching it and. I want to say it was something like, like Doink the Clown or something like that. Oh, okay. okay. I'm like, it, I'm, I want to say it's like late Doink, late, late er, mid 80s. This yeah, is, yeah. this is 80, 80, no, oh, wow. Maybe seen pre Doink. Early shit, anyway. Yeah. I remember flicking and I go, uh, my friend was over and he goes, man, there's a, as he put it, there's real wrestling on Channel 17. Channel 17. Immediately, I see Dusty Rhodes sitting there bleeding like a pig and a stuck pig. And, uh, right, I was like, "Oh my God, we found real wrestling!" And so I fell in, immediately fell in love with what was Worldwide Wrestling, which was the NWA, which later on become WCW. Oh, okay. So yeah. this was this was Magnum TA and 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 Dusty oh, Rhodes. Yes. Yeah. This so this was the old old NWA and. I sat there and just was memorized, mesmerized, and I'm like, yeah, like it's probably the promos that Dusty. Yeah, you, 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 okay. I will tell you this. Yeah. We, I, I lived in near Philadelphia. Dusty Rose told me I needed to drive to the Omni Atlanta. I'm 11 years old, <laughs> but I was gonna find a way to get to the Omni Atlanta because Dusty told me to. Okay, so that, that, that I mean, it was things like that that drew me in. You know, and, and meanwhile, on the other channel, you got people, whatever they were doing. Um, but in the NWA, they were, it was blood and guts and real, like, yeah. it felt real. Like, 
Ukrainian. What, what essentially turned out to be hardcore. Yes, but it was but, but it was that yeah. southern wrestling style that we yeah. didn't see in the Northeast. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that drew me to it. I'm like, my they God. They sell better. Storytelling. Yeah, they sell better. The stuff like the Von Erics and Dutch Mantel. Yes. And so when you when you got see guys like, you know, Harley Race. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, um, uh, um, what's his name? Um, you got to see Ron Simmons, who I, I adore, or Butch oh, yeah. Reed, or, or Chief Wahoo McDaniel. It was oh, like, yeah. oh, my God. And, and and then you got to see classes like Steamboat and Flair. It was like, this is what I want. So, like, when Starcades would come on or, or um, they would do the, the, the specials once a month on TBS, it was like, man. <laughs> this this shit is amazing. Pardon my French. Nah, it's fine. No, it's fine. No. So we're So literally, that's what drew me in, and and I was like, man, I I, I love this stuff. And I remember sitting, I think I was like twelve or thirteen. Twelve. I was like twelve. I remember looking at my sister, who's I was trying to get into wrestling with me. You know, just get involved in watching it. Yeah. And I said, I said, I'm gonna. I said to her, I was like, one day I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna be. Sweet. I was like, I, I was like, that's I'm gonna be out there with them. And obviously, you know, she was, you know, nine at the time. She's like, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Fast forward 10 years, 15 years, and she comes sees me at a show, and she goes, you know you told me you were going to do this one day. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I remember. And she, goes, and she goes, I'm proud of you. And I was like, that was one of the coolest moments of my life. Forget my career, my life, when my sister was like, you told me you were going to do this. So that's pretty cool. So that's what got me into wrestling was that just the passion I felt from those guys. Yeah. The style of work. It just drew me to it. And it was like, man, that's something I want to do. Oh, heck yeah, man. Um, Okay. So this has probably been asked over and over again, but like, uh, what was it like to wrestle during the Attitude Era? And before you you answer Mm -hmm. this, let me preface this uh, so that way I won't interrupt you by saying that... um, Kind of, we. I think how you said we kind of came back around to it, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we'd ever not. It wasn't like we weren't watching it, right? This is we caught it every once in a while. Yeah, since we caught you it know, every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So we when, see, we when see there characters wasn't weird pop up here and there, or, 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 that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, we yeah exactly. We catch it intermittently, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so WCW was kind of our thing. So we'd catch that. By the time that we got back around to getting into the WWE, it would it like that attitude area really kind of caught both of our attentions because it was like all these people like you said like like Edge and you and Valvinus mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mixed and with legends that had sort of come along like Taker yes and, yes uh, yes 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 there was that sort of uh, in terms of transitions I think the WWE handled, handled the generational transition the best I agree instead of just sort of doing what WCW did and kind of Shitting on the old guys and kicking them out whenever they got new guys in. Like mm-hmm. Arn Anderson kind of got pressed to the back, even though he was still part of the Four Horsemen. It was yeah. just like, uh, yeah, he, he was he wasn't the enforcer anymore. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. So that, that's it's, it's kind of how it came for us in terms of the Attitude Area. Was just that like it went from seeing like what we had saw, which was which was which was great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of the older wrestlers, a lot of like you said, a lot of the like Steamboat, Papa Shango, all all the, all them, you know, uh, Hogan. Uh, Savage, which I love, mm-hmm. Savage Walter Warrior. Uh, Warrior. It was great to see that, but by the time we pop back in, we see this sort of like brash, trash talking, sort of awesome, almost a sort of like anti-authority mm-hmm. type era. So, so what was it like to be in the middle of that? Um, it was absolutely amazing to be part of that because, like you said, I, I grew up with the, the the lineage and history of what was wrestling. Yeah. And then for me, I was a young guy in that transition period where we got to get elevated up on that same pedestal. And so one, you know, literally one day I'm watching Ron Simmons win the world title and four years later I'm standing in the ring next to him. So it's just a weird, nice transition. Yeah. Uh, and then to be part of that learning tree when you've got guys around you like, Ron Simmons or a JBL or an yeah. Undertaker or Shawn Michaels or Triple H and you know X Pac, you get to, to to be part of that learning tree and that 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 feel. Yeah, 
just as, as, as an entertainer and as a worker, you're like, man, I'm in, I'm getting a college education, I'm getting a master's degree, like overnight because I'm around so much great talent. And then to, to be part of the, the, the war where we're battling with WCW for the ratings. They've been kicking our ass. Yeah. And then to, to feel that momentum shift. Yeah. And yeah. To, to slowly watch the building from being tarped off in the top two sections to going out there and the tarp starts shrinking. Oh, sweet. And the tarp, and then, because we would call it the turf mon- the tarp monster. And so <laughs> we'd be like, oh, the tarp monster is on two decks today. And then every week we'd be like, whoa, the tarp monster's on a deck and a half. The top tarp monster's gone. <laughs> Holy shit, we sold out a show in 35 seconds. It, it was it was an amazing feel. So when you you were being part of the rise up, you could actually feel the momentum, and and feel and it, you noticed it too because when you're out in public, yeah, you went from being this anonymous soul getting off a plane to rock stars landing in Chicago, okay. and where heads turn when you got off a plane. Sweet people clamoring to come see it. People yeah, and this yeah. is pre nine eleven, so people could come to the gate. So somehow they would find out. A plane full of WWF wrestlers was landing, and we would land, and the gate would be full, and would be people flying out. They were there for us. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. And that wasn't the way it was a year earlier, so it was like you got to see that grow, and it was it was amazing because we knew we were crossing over into pop culture. We were crossing over into the mainstream, awesome. and and to feel that momentum, it was just. I mean, I. It's hard to explain other than just just awesome and epic, like to be part of that. Now, did well, I, I'd imagine. Well, I had a, I had a question about yeah, so considering that. Did were there any uh, personalities, if you will, uh, that didn't handle that rise to fame as, as well as That's actually kind others? Of what I was heading towards yeah. yeah. Um, in every in every in every job, there's people who can handle it, people who can't, people who let it go to their head, and people who just oh, it is what it is. I was kind of caught in between because I'm a young guy and I was like, wow, I'm popular, I'm famous, I got money, yeah! And then you, you get the big heads for a minute and then and I will, I will tell you where it changed. I, I remember getting the big heads for a second where it was kind of like, you know, hey, I, I've made it, I'm accomplished. And I remember specifically, Ron Simmons and I had just done a show. We had just done a show, I don't know what town it is. And we went to Walmart. Okay, after the show, we're going to buy beer for the ride. Don't tell anybody. It's between you and I. Okay? <laughs> so, we go to, you know, cash out, and, and there's this mom there with her, I don't know, 11, 12-year-old kid, and the kid runs to me and goes, D-Lo, D-Lo, hey, hey, huh? can I have an autograph? And I went, yeah, sure, kid, come here. I remember it, and I sign, sign the autograph, and I get back, and the kid looks at me, he's, his face changed. It wasn't excitement. It was kind of like, really? And the kid runs off. And I go to pay, and Ron goes, what the hell are you doing? I go, what? He goes, why you treat that kid like that? I go, what do you mean? I signed an autograph for him. He goes, how long did autograph take for you to sign? I said, three seconds. He goes, that was three seconds for you. That was a lifetime for him. And immediately, I went back to being that 12-year-old kid running for an autograph. And it was like, what am I doing? Why am I being an ass? Yeah. Why? Here's a kid who's going to tell his kids that, that, that could mean something. From that point there, I, from that moment on, I was never that arrogant little prick. That's awesome. Um, well, it's, it, it's good that you can see that that was what was happening. A lot of people don't. A lot of people can't. Big heads and they're like, well, you know, peasants. Well, know, I, I was lucky. I had Ron Simmons slap me in the back of the head, so <laughs> that made things more clear for me. Yeah. You know, when when you've got literally a grandpa telling you what you can and can't do. Yeah. Um. So, but I immediately saw it, and from that moment, I don't. I don't care if it's. I don't. I, and I only have two things: if I'm late for a flight, or if I'm in the middle of eating dinner. Other than that, <clears throat> I'll take time. Well, and those seem like reasonable, you know, reasonable times for you yeah. to want your, you know, your privacy mm-hmm. and everything. That's that's, but no, that's awesome. Though. Like I was watching uh, a show actually recently uh, 
is on Vice, right? And I think it's hosted by uh, um, Mick Foley and like Dutch Mantel and a few of them. And it's mm-hmm. called The Dark Side of Wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great show, great show, great yeah, and, show. And, and Absol and Josh, I'm like, it's not a schlocky thing. It's legitimately sort of helmed because by Vice these guys that really need to eat yeah, it. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, if he's and, honest, yeah. And uh, what you said right there kind of reminds me of what they uh, said about uh, like Macho Man Savage. Mm-hmm. It said that one of the things that like the Poffo family had told him, his family, they said the sort of same thing that like Ron had said, right? mm-hmm. you know, which is like, you know, you take the you take that moment to go ahead and make sure that the van knows that you care. And I guess I guess uh, Randy used to be really good with that too, mm-hmm. from, from what everyone had said. I I, that's awesome. I was just out in Florida last week, and uh, this just jumps out at me. Kid walks up to me. He's twenty five years old. Mm-hmm. 30-ish, and he goes, Dilo, do you remember me? And I go, you know, obviously he's obviously looks different. He goes, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, well, doesn't matter. When I was nine years old, um, I had cancer and I was homeless. And your accountant knew me and knew I liked wrestling. And the next thing I knew, I had two tickets to, it was Backlash in Miami. Oh, okay. He goes, I had front, you gave me front row tickets to sign autographs for me. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, yes. And he goes, I just wanted to tell you thank you. It's the first time I had a chance to talk to you. So I wanted to say thank you. And that's the stuff right there. Yeah. That's what it, to me, that's what it's about. Because if you can make a difference in someone's life, mm-hmm. that's why you were given this pedestal. That's why you were given this position in life, to make a difference, not to... Not to float your own ego or blow yourself up. You're there to you're there to hopefully influence someone or change someone's life or make someone smile. Yeah. And that this is older me talking now. <laughs> but that's what it's all it's about. The hindsight you were talking about. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Never judge anything halfway through the arc. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah, man. I mean and even on a even on a like a reaching an older set of people type thing like me and my brother right mm-hmm. you know? um the times that i get to go see wrestling like at renee's prom- promotion um and get to see get to meet you mm-hmm. get to meet uh didn't actually didn't get to meet last time but but i i got to go ahead and give him a hot five we got to meet a get to meet abyss mm-hmm. you know uh, other people like that like getting to meet people like part of the reason why me and josh love doing uh the podcast and getting to interview cool people is because you get to just see the person one on one, you know, and and all the pretenses are down, and all the, all the all the rapping is, is off, and it's just person to person, which is why like we're happy to be talking with you right now, and that's totally awesome. I I, I agree with you. I mean, if if you can make someone's day, mm-hmm. and it's not going to really cost you much at all, then why not? Right? It, it yeah. cost me. It cost it cost me nothing to do this, but it's the benefits. Are priceless, and that's how you have to look at it. Awesome, awesome. Um, okay, so I know you've been asked this before, but like, if you don't mind, would you share the story for Go us ahead. Uh, <laughs> about the where where the famous head shake came? I, I knew know, it. I, I knew know, it. I know you talked with. When we like, got here, I, was I like, know like, you talked hey, with. Hey, uh, hey, I'm sorry. That? If you didn't mind me touching. No, 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 um, no. But like, um, I know you got asked this by Chris Van Lyke. Yes. Right. But when I heard that, I was like, I know this is the same question you got asked, but like, I gotta ask it. Um, because your story is awesome. So, this. I mean, it's, I, I've told the story a thousand times and it's, it's fun. Um, it, it, it's, it's threefold, okay? Yeah. So, the swagger aspect of it was just me from my high school football days and wrestling days. That, that over the top braggadocious, Sports, arrogant. Yeah. Yes. Because, to anybody who knows me, I'm quiet, just... No. Nerdy. Nerdy, yes. I'm quiet. Game early. Like, I'm quiet. I'm quiet. Yeah. But when I played football, I had to be... There was a different person that played you football. Hype yourself yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. I, that, that's the guy who would, who would sack the, you know, the other team's quarterback and look over at their crowd and go, are you not entertained? That, yeah. that, that, that was d He just didn't have a name. Okay. Okay? Awesome. So now that was the attitude, the arrogance. Um, the swagger came from a, a defensive back from the 49ers called Merton Hanks. Okay. Okay. If 
if people, if you don't know him, Google him. <laughs> so he would, he would get an interception. If he was going to pick six, there was this strut he did where he would, he would look like a freaking chicken, head going back and forth, and he had this long-ass neck, and he would, and he, and he would let you know. He was Deion Sanders before there was Deion Sanders, okay? And then the side-to-side -side comes from uh, Rocky and I were sitting in a hotel room, and back in the day, DVDs were at a premium because, you know, 97, 98, DVDs oh, were really expensive. Yes, yeah. and then portable DVD, player, DVD players were very expensive. But we, we chipped in on one because, you know, we, we wanted some entertainment in our hotel room. But one of the staples was a movie called Friday. Oh, yeah. Okay? That was one of our staple DVD, DVDs. We had to have it. So it was a Sunday night. We just got done watching the show. We threw Friday in. Boom. And you know the part where, where Debo knocks out the dude over his bike <laughs> and Chris Turk goes, you just got knocked the... Yeah. Okay? You and just he, got knocked the fuck out. Yes. <laughs> so, I, I, so I... So I, I yeah. watched that. So I watched that, right? And so the next day, Rocky is wrestling Ken Shamrock. Rocky hip-tosses Ken Shamrock. Get somehow gets him over the up top. We're getting ready to go to commercial break. So I know the camera's going to be on Ken Shamrock. So I run up to him and I go, you just got knocked up, man. And I'm, I'm shaking my head in his face. The camera's right there. Right? So then immediately I go, oh, damn it. I just cursed on TV. Vince is going to find me. That's the first thought that goes to my head. Vince is going to find me. God. Then I go, I'm not going to explain this. I'm going to lose money. I'm not coming home with money. I just got fined for cursing. So the match finishes. Now, there are two looks Vince gives you when you walk through the curtain. One of Vince, one of which he'll look up at you, have his glasses on, he'll give you a thumbs up, and go back to his, his paper. Okay? The other one is he'll look up, he'll pull his glasses down, and then wave you over with his finger. That's the look you don't want. That's the you're freaking in trouble look. So, I'm walking up the ramp. I'm looking at Rocky, turn to the crowd, hands in the air. We just beat Ken Shamrock, go through the curtain. Okay, everything. All my, just like, I'm a four-year-old kid and about to get scolded by dad because I know it. So? Probably telling yourself, man, I, I need to soak this in. And I, 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 now, right? I get, once I get on the other side of the curtain, I'm going to get my ass kicked. Yeah. So, Rocky walks by. Vince, Vince gives him the thumbs up. And he looks at me and goes, Hello? <laughs> Shit! I know I'm getting fine now. And I walk over and go, yes, sir. And he goes, and Vince looks, looks, looking at his paper, looks up and goes, the thing you do with your head, keep doing it. <laughs> and looks back at his paper and I want, and immediately ran and go, I didn't get fined. Yes. But then it dawned on me that he saw that I was being creative. And was giving me the ability to be creative. Which is awesome. And and he, I don't know what it was, but it caught his attention. If you can catch his attention, you can catch his eye doing one thing, mm -hmm. you've done something. Yeah. Because he can see a lot. He, he he's, he's done this for so long. He's lived it. He's lived yeah, it. Yeah, he, it's so, literally his life. Yeah. So when, when that caught his attention, I remember sitting in the hotel room that night going, okay, well, I got the green light. Turn it up. Sweet. Now, now take that part of you and take from level ten to level hundred. Let's go. And the next week on TV, I was I put all those things together, and that's when I was strutting and shaking and swinging my head from <laughs> side to side, and I was a rooster in a hen house. That's how I thought of it. Oh yeah, man. Because like whenever uh, whenever we catch you going like going down the ramp, yep. moving towards that. It's like there, there was yeah. it wasn't a moment yeah. from the top of that ramp down to the the apron where you, you were just like you know so whoever was going to face you knew they were going to deal with well, something. and and you know. things I tell like my students now there's only one time in a match well two times one time particularly when all eyes are on you from the curtain to the ring mm -hmm. it's the only time all eyes are on you okay well I, I have a question when it comes to Sort of leading off of that, um, see, like Josh and I, for our Patreon special um, that we have, uh, it's, it's like for the podcast, mm -hmm. um, 
we have two different shows. We have like uh, Forgotten Hits of the 80s, right? I think Forgotten it was. Frequencies. Forgotten Frequencies, and that's where it's like Forgotten Hits of the 80s. We just do like, well, just one, one hit wonders or just, just random music. We yeah, pick to, gotcha. To pick apart. Yeah. Yeah. Millie Vanilli. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the other Crystal Maneuvers in the Dark. That kind of crap. Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 That kind and the of other weird, one just is, like, uh, out of nowhere stuff. Or right. Come on, Irene, those guys. Uh, Dexy's Maneuvers. That, yeah. There you go. <laughs> this, uh, the other one's Grabbing the Numbers, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, okay. So, here's something kind of that we can give our give our, our listeners from you. Mm-hmm. Um, what is someone, in terms of all the guys you've wrestled with, from, like, the bottom all the way to the tippy top, mm-hmm. right? Who is someone that, like, had it, mm-hmm. but just for whatever reason didn't quite... I mean, is that kind of the best way to phrase that, Dash? Well, well, no, 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 I didn't. This oh, just okay, off the cuff. Yeah, yeah. Off the cuff. okay, okay. Yeah. That, that had it, but for whatever reason, either the tie didn't tip tip their way, or, or they got in their own way. They like, were pushed ready, but they never got shot. Wow, I, yeah. that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. That's deep. Um, because, like, there's been touches wow. of it that we've seen over time too like one of the guys that we brought up um, that, that could have mm-hmm. like what we brought up was like Canyon mm-hmm. Chris Canyon like Canyon I don't like, like there's a lot of stuff about his, his, his real last name is kind of hard to say so I'll just say Canyon yeah no I, no, I, I get you I mean and guys who had the ability and potential and charisma and character but for some reason never never crossed over yeah yeah that's a that's a that's a tough question there's a thousand and one of wow, those. Wow! 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 Well, in fairness to that, in fairness to that, just maybe one that stands out to you. I mean, or maybe one that, that you knew or something. <sighs> because like none of this is meant as like it, the question itself. You can do it as baseball, man. It's not meant. It's not meant. No, it's, a, it's not meant of a, a slacking off or anything. Or it's, yeah, it's not meant as a slander either. It's, it's more of a compliment. Like yeah. I, I, I talked about it earlier. My friend Reckless You. Yeah. I think he had all the tools to be a huge star in wrestling. Just opportunity did not meet connection did not meet. It just it didn't all line up. Yeah. Like there are a thousand guys who are better wrestlers than me, better talkers than me, better bodies than me. But it it's luck. It's happenstance. It is everything coming together at once to get that position there in that company, and then to stay there is another set of luck and happenstance. So, I mean, the annals of wrestling are littered with guys who were quite better, quite frankly, better than anyone who was on TV. They just weren't, the opportunity didn't meet the, the situation. Oh, okay, yeah. So when, when, you, when you say in terms of a guy didn't make it, there's a million reasons why a guy didn't make it. Or there's a million and one reasons why a guy flamed out. Okay. All we see is that guy's there one day and gone the next. Yeah. But there's a million and one reasons of why or how or why not anymore. Yeah. Um, to, 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 to name a few other than I can definitely tell you Reckless because he and I are friends and I know his story. Yeah. But, wow. I mean, that's a, you could do an entire... 10-hour podcast on guys who should have been special but weren't. That's what we're hoping for. That's kind yeah. of what you know what I'm saying? There's, the grappling with memories is. There's, there, an hour on Canyon there, there's yeah. guys, I mean, like, I, I, Val Venus. I think Val Venus could have been, should, could have been, should have been bigger. Yeah. He was pretty big, though. He was big, but I think he could have been, should have, he could have been a world champ. Oh, yeah. He could have been he, like a Rick Rude. He could have been, yes, yeah, he yeah, could have yeah. been a world champ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the there are guys like, there's guys like Kai and Ty. Okay. Okay, which I think they could have been bigger, but for whatever reason, they only attain a certain level. Hmm. I mean, I've then since went to wrestle with Takamichi Noko over in Japan, and he's a megastar in Japan, even till this day. Oh, awesome. Till this day, he's a megastar, yeah. and Taco's one of the few guys who could work for every company in Japan, and no one gave a crap, because he was one of the few guys who could float between companies, mm-hmm. company to company, because he was that big of a star. So it, you could, my God. Which is why you need to support small promotions uh, that's because why, they jump from promotion to promotion you, until they get recognized. You, and you need to support guys because you never know Absolutely. where they're going to come from. Absolutely. You never know where they're going to come from. Well, that's why that's why I said earlier about GT Vega, was that like 
but like I love you won't take this the wrong way, all right? But you're like, fine. You're I fine. I love to boo for him. Like, like I've right. actually, I've actually yeah, that, means, right. that means he's good at, good I, at doing actually, what he's well, doing. Do what he does. But thing, the, the thing that was kind of awesome, I don't know if he realized it, but the thing that was kind of awesome for me was after, uh, I believe it was after the show the dealer was at, I actually right. got to talk to GT, and I know GT's really kind of fairly kind of private. He's very and, private. Yeah, yep. and he's very, sort of. I'm not saying like not standoffish in a bad way, but mm-hmm. sort of you know he has his space, right? Right. Um, but to get to talk to him, he eased up a little bit and talked to me, and I was sort of like, this guy gets why he's doing what he's doing. Right. Like, he gets that. He gets why he has to be a heel. You know, he was more than happy to be polite and be cool and Mm -hmm. talk to me, but he also realized, you know, like, he can't be super chummy with a fan if he's the guy telling the fans to off, right? Yeah. (laughs) The same thing, too. Right, right. Which, it's just kind of nice to to see, like, what you guys are saying, you know? If if you support the indies, then it'll... Well, and you have have people... People like Mojo McQueen. You came to our last show. Yeah. Amazing wrestler. I mean, it's not just it's I'll not do, just do Vega. Do it's also these these small time <laughs> wrestlers like Gringo Loco, who's absolutely wonderful wrestler. Oh yeah. And people need to see him, and and he needs to get the exposure. So these small promotions are extremely important. Oh yeah. Well, these small promotions are important. They're the lifeblood of what they are. They're the lifeblood of what WWE, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor. Every one of those guys who were there and on top or in the middle or underneath came from somewhere else. Yeah, it's awesome to hear you say that because, like, there are sometimes, I mean, not a lot, but there are sometimes where you'll hear whether, I don't know whether it's a character or not, or you'll hear some people sort of, like, bad talking in the indies, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I, I, think, I think every wrestler, character or not, should beg every fan to support local wrestling and support the independents. Because without the independents, that's the foundation of what the top companies are. It's like a pyramid. And if WWE is the top of the pyramid, at the bottom of the pyramid are, is Rival Showdown, is is Black Label Pro. You know, these yeah. are the companies that support and hold up yeah. the top of the pyramid. So I, I think every wrestler should be like, you know what, I came from somewhere. Yeah. We all want the high school. Before we went to college, before we went to the world, we all went to high school. Very true. Don't forget your high school. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think one of the coolest, if you don't mind me sharing this, mm-hmm. with us too, one of the coolest experiences that I've ever got to, to have, um, it, it was in two separate uh, independent wrestling companies. There was, there's your guys' rival Showdown Pro, right? And then Infinity that was there previously. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome to, to help, uh, well, you even got to help on one of them, yep. whatever it was Infinity, I believe. Yeah. Right. Help set up and tear. I think it's on their second to last show. Yeah. 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 And and getting to see some of the wrestlers help set up and tear down. Um, <laughs> these guys that like by all means shouldn't really have to. Mm-hmm. But but just to see them how humbly they were willing to help get in the ring, check it out, just talk to you like a normal person. You know, and because because like everyone 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 understands that there's a there's a there's a line. You know, there's mm-hmm. like. Whenever you're talking person to person, and then there's when you're in the room. As long as they're not some like weird racist truck driver. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing yes. because the reason, the way we met was when I was tearing, uh, when I was setting up. Mm-hmm. I was actually going, I was at Black Label Pro, mm-hmm. and I was setting up a ring. Mm-hmm. And I was tired. It was the first time I had ever set up a ring before, and... Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was no spring floor underneath, you know? They're just boards and, and metal. Yeah. And so we were setting up, and I, I sat down I, because I, I was tired, I was and I sat next to this up, man. I was playing on my phone, and I'm like, this. You want to take... He always exaggerates the story, but uh, go ahead. I'm, Let's just I'm, do this. I'm playing on my phone. I'm just looking at my phone. I, I hear, hey, how you doing? I go, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and I'm being polite, but I'm just playing on my phone. And somehow this loudmouth girl wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> so I put my phone down and started talking. And I interacted, and then, lo and behold, was on the first Rival Showdown show because of a connection that we made there. And then from that, we've been friends ever since. And so it, it started off as some loudmouth girl talking to me at a show where I didn't want to talk to anybody. And here we are. We talked about chamomile tea. Chamomile tea and desert, desert honey. honey. And heated yeah. toilet seats in Japan. Yes, and those are the best, by the way. God, right, right. those heated toilet seats in Japan. Heck yeah, man. 
Absolutely the two things I want to do when I visit Japan, if I ever do, is Akibahara District uh-huh. and experience a Japanese toilet. Hold on. You need to go to Rapungi as well. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> a game collector. Like no, 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 no. That's, that's the nice club area. Oh, okay. okay. If you want to party? Yeah, yeah. Rapungi. Yeah. <laughs> then you got to go to Akibahara because, hey, bro, ready for this? You walk down the street and there's a freaking 50-foot uh, Robotech statue standing there. Yes, I've seen that. And it's standing there holding this freaking gun. And every once in a while it goes... And it moves, but it's 50-foot <laughs> freaking yeah. tall, like like yeah. what Robotech yeah. should be. And, 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 and you're like, you're like... And it's standing over the street and you're like, oh my God, that's real! And it, yeah. And it's just, it's just all games. It's all, like, as you walk, all you see is... Sega signs and Nintendo signs and and PlayStation. And it's all sort of inexpensive there because uh, it's not, you know. It's it's relative. It, it's tri- relative. I'm a game collector. I know it's it's, like. it's it's relative. Be way but cheaper than you can buy in the United well, States. Well, this is true. You know what I mean? You, but I mean, you can buy a Sega Saturn for twenty bucks. You know, what I mean, you uh, go there and do it and get five games with the damn thing. That's true. You know? So, <laughs> but then you got to spend the flight to get over there. That is. Yeah, true. but I'm saying when you go, you just got. But it, but you know, but it's worth go to Japan. Yeah. Oh, I want to go to Japan. I gotta wait till my kids. I've been there fifty-two times. It's amazing. Well, you can go. You can go visit AC or D'Lo Brown in uh, Vegas and dig up all the ET video games that you. No, they are. They are. They dug them up. They dug them up, and they. Were, I know they, they did. Were already destroyed, and there was no secret like. It's the worst Atari video game of I'm all a, time. I'm a gamer. Sorry. It's the worst. Uh, no, well, it sort of ties with the Arts Revenge. Yard's Revenge is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yard's Revenge is bad. That's just like blips on the screen. Yeah. It's just Yard's Revenge. At least you can tell what you're doing in Adventure, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then there are great games like Bleach. Which one? One. The first one. Uh, uh, just the one for PS3? Yes. <laughs> I believe so, yes. Bleach. Oh. I used to carry my PlayStation with me. Mm-hmm. I go to Japan. Yeah. And it had a chip in it. So it would play American Modded. games, Modded. Yeah. and it would play, because uh, ja- there's European games, yeah. there's uh, Japanese, Asian games, and there's American games. And if your, pl- your PlayStation's not mod towards it, it would only play one. Well, yeah. boom. Sweet. There, was, there was a little chip you could put in there, play anything, play any video, play anything. So I would take it with me all around the freaking world. I would have a laptop case, okay? It wasn't a laptop. My laptop case. No. It was my it was my PS. It was my PS2 <laughs> at the time. Remember the small with the real the thin slim, one. Yeah, I've got like two of those. Okay, so that was in Silver my la- or black. Black. All right, all right. Okay, so but that was in my laptop yeah. case. So I'd have that. I had my controllers and I had a shit ton of games. Sweet. And that's what I would. I would saw me walking around to be on my either on my backpack and my bag as I'm pulling it, or over my shoulder, and that's what was in there. And I would travel around the world with that thing. And so it, in there, and once again. You gotta have your, you gotta have your uh, video game kit. So, back in the day, on the TVs it was the coaxial cable, right? Mm-hmm. But they had a plastic coat on it, like a like a shield, where you couldn't unscrew because they didn't want you to steal the TV. Oh. So, what you got was <laughs> a pair of freaking wire cutters that were like just snippers like this, mm-hmm. and you would clip that thing off. But boom, but that was part of your kit you had to carry with you. <laughs> or you bought, you had you had coaxial cable you brought with you. You had um, the three plug, the three headed, the red, the blue, and um, RCA cable. Yeah, RCA, RCA. Yep. So <laughs> these were all in my kit. So whatever TV I'd get to, I'd flip as soon as I got to my hotel room, walk in, bag drop, spin the TV around, see what I'm dealing with. Sweet. That was any hotel anywhere on the planet. Spin it around. Thirty six inch track. Yes. Sony. Let's go. All right, we're good. We're good. And and this is like okay. That's good. Then you look and in your head you go, I can have this ready in five minutes. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Snip awesome. it off, done. Hell yeah. Yeah, that, that was my thing. And, I, and even in like the, the WWF, WWE, we were the first person to do, I will tell you, we were the first people to do like traveling gaming because guys like me, Steve Richards, Kane, Brian Christie, Rest of Soul, we would all carry Xboxes with us. Oh, okay. Okay? Yeah. And we would tell. Hold on. Yeah, let me get, let me get let me get there. So we would tell we check in. We would tell we would tell the uh, the, the the attendant there we need we need four rooms okay. that are right next to each other in the same hall. Uh, okay. Okay. So we would all we would go in there and snip everything off. We'd set up our Xboxes 
we'd run Ethernet cable out to a hub in the hallway. <laughs> and there would be four cords connecting all of our Xboxes. And we had walkie-talkies. And that's how we talked to each other. That's awesome. And that's how we, play, we would play. And that was our normal thing. It was like, get the show done, get to a hotel, hook up the Xboxes. Wow. And then, uh, and then, um, you remember the, the traveling PlayStation that where the, the screen flipped up yeah, on yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Okay. So, you get one of those, and then you would get a, um, the, same, the same power port that would run, like, speakers. Yeah. In, you know, so you'd get that. Like a 9-volt or something. Yes, it would convert over the power from the, the cigarette lighter into... Uh, to, to voltage to run your screen, your 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 Xbox or PlayStation, yeah. and specifically it was me, Kane, C. Richards, three of us in a car, two would play in the back seat. Loser drove. You Kane and yes, so loser would drive. So so well, we'd always get something big. Well, how much did you drive? Uh, I drove a lot. Um, <laughs> Kane was pretty damn good. So, uh, but that was our thing because. Two of us would two of us sit in the back. Loser would loser would then drive. So you would rotate. Drive would, would replace loser, and then loser would drive. While and it, you wanted to win because the longer you won, the less you had to drive. Awesome. <laughs> and so those made our three hundred you know mile drives go quickly because you had Madden going on the back seat. Oh yeah. And, and the worst is you're driving and you hear all the all the all the shit talking. Get that mother! And he'd be like, I wish I could see this. I wish I was doing it, but I'm freaking driving. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right, so, okay, going on further uh, before I get to the next question, just kind of another little question. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that, like, creativity is a big part of, like, sort of staying in the business. Yes. Right? Okay, so, like, and there's been wrestlers over time that have been able, you know, to, to change with the times, right? Okay, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like like Chris Jericho's, yes. kind of well known for staying with that. Um, I have just kind of a personal question. Something that's happening right now, mm-hmm. you know, as we're talking, is um, what do you think about the whole Bray Wyatt thing? Because because it almost kind of feels like with the promos he's doing now, it feels like he has the handcuffs off. Because beforehand, it seemed like they were sort of. And then it's like we were talking before. I want to see the whole arc before I critique. Yeah, yeah. What I see now is something that piques my curiosity. Yeah. And the fun thing about wrestling is I'm not sure where it's going to go, but the ride to see where it's going to go is freaking fun. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you have to look at it. And, you know, is it creepy? Yes. Is it weird? Yes. Does that make it intriguing? Yes. And that's what draws eyes to, you know, to people, to wrestling. So I want to see where he's going to go with this. Okay, if he can sustain it. Now, I did, I did, that was the, I will tell you, uh, this was last Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm at home. Yeah. And my young daughter Harper is there. And I'm, I'm just, I'm watching Raw, but in the periphery. Mm-hmm. And Bray's segment comes on. And I noticed that she stopped playing mm-hmm. and was watching TV because it looks like a kid's show. Yeah. And I went, oh, no, you can't watch this. <laughs> because I think it would have scarred her from kid shows. So I was like, no, you can't watch this. So I think there's an inherent danger there where it's going to might draw in young kids and yeah. and, and kind of uh, mess with them a little bit. Yeah. But I'm still intrigued by what it was. I did go back two hours later, rewind, and watch it to see how it went. Oh, yeah. So I was intrigued, but I, I, you have to, you have to understand that there's got to be a, there's got to be a, there's an age level on this thing. You got to be careful of it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm just curious. I'm curious to see where he's going. And yes, you have to reinvent yourself. Yeah. You have, you have to stay relevant. If you don't, Chris Jericho is the best example of it. Yeah. He's now in his third or third or nineties, two thousand tens, almost in his fourth different decade yeah. of being something relevant. Yeah. I mean, he started as a thrill seeker, and now he's, you know, AEW and challenging New Japan for the title, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost, almost... There's that period of time, too, where he was like a, like a no-nonsense, no-frills, yes. not even playing his interest. It, he was a rock star, he's, you know, he's over the top, he was Y2J, he brought in the new millennium, think about that. Yeah. Why is he called Y2J? Because he brought in the new millennium. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he's, he's spanned, and he's one of my good friends, he spanned almost four decades now and it's pretty cool. Awesome. 
Awesome, awesome. Um, all right, so here, like you go ahead and ask because I'm wanting to go ahead and catch the breath for a minute. You go ahead and ask the mess of the questions. Which one? I'm just going straight down the line. Oh, okay. Um, well, I guess yeah, because that one's sort of. Uh, I don't want to ask that until later. Quick, pick question seven. Just pick question seven. What, uh, okay, which faction was better, uh, the Nation of Domination <clears throat> or Races and Aids? I chose that one. Um, I would say the Nation just because of longevity. Okay. I don't think Ace and Eight was given enough time to, I don't think it was to get its full potential. Mm-hmm. I think it was a lot of, um, there's a lot of potential what Ace and Eights could have been. It just didn't have time to breathe and grow. Yeah. Whereas if you go back to the nation, the nation was given three, four, five years okay. to grow and create stars and cultivate talent. And if you look at, to me, what what makes a great faction is what they became, the people who were in the faction, what they became after the faction folded. Okay, so leading off of that question, mm-hmm. um, just and, and, and interject to if you want to, Josh, um, is... Some of some of the factions in the past, leading up to now, because I, I remember in an interview you had said, um, you know, know faction or stables, even stable, faction, stable. faction, stable, same thing. Yeah, yeah I, I know. Like, I know. There's, like, like, there's like the Heart Foundation. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's all these different stables. Um, you know, the Four Horsemen, mm-hmm. uh, Evolution. Um, one of the ones I've enjoyed seeing grow, like you said, at, 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 over time, is like the Shield. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, beforehand, when the right first started the Shield, I remember they kind of seemed... When I say nobody, I don't mean a derogatory, right? They just seemed like... like well, they were, young, I, they were yeah. young guys who no one had seen before. Yeah, who no one had seen, like, maybe a handful of them. And like, I knew a little bit about John Moxley, mm-hmm. about um, D'Ambrose, right? Mm-hmm. But beyond that, the other two I hadn't really known because I hadn't really stayed up with any too much of the independent stuff. But, like, um, in terms of, like... The levels of stables and everything. Where, where, where would you like place the shield? Oh, I'd place the shield pretty high up because if you look at it, there's about nine world championships or ten world championships among the three. Yeah. So you got guys who went on to become individual stars after leaving this group, and then there's always a clamoring to pull that group back together again. So yeah. if if that is the case, then that faction is something special because they want to see individual success but the fans still want to see you as a unit. And that's what the Shield has always been over the last, particularly the last, you know, let's say the last four years, where it's, you got guys who, Dean had gone off to win a title, and, and you know, Roman Reigns had gone off to win several, and Seth had won several, but then there was always that clamoring, we want a Shield reunion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you want to bring back that, the group. Well, like, like I have a, a side question on that. Okay, yeah. Speaking of, of uh, uh, Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. do you... Uh, I know this the hindsight thing comes into play there, but do you think that creative pushing Reigns as a title guy was, or still kind of is, is a good idea, or do you think they should sit on it for a while until, until like people accept that he, they instead of being showed so much, let it grow organically. Yeah, that's yeah, basically. Yeah. And and you know Vince has got a way he wants to do things and. Look, I, I've known Roman since he was probably 14. Wow. Yeah, I'm old. Um, <laughs> but, but, so like you, know, you know him as Joe. But right? if, yes, yeah. but if you look at him, yeah. he's, he has the look, mm-hmm. the attitude, and the work rate to be a world champion. Yeah. When you look at him, even if you didn't know who he was, if he walked through the airport, you, you would say to yourself, I don't know what he does, but he does something. Yeah, yeah, he would. That's a star. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's pushed as a star, because he has that star quality about him. But do you think that they're trying to sort of make the rock effect happen with him? That's a hard question, because you, you can, like, the rock was like lightning in a bottle, and it's hard to recreate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's damn near impossible, because it happens, it happens just organically. Yeah. But... But for a guy like Roman, um, Vince has tagged him as his guy, just like he did years before with Cena. Yeah, yeah. It's the exact same thing. It's like, Cena's my dude. Cena's going to be the face of my company, and we're going to go. 
And it's the same thing with Roman. Roman's my guy. Roman's going to be the face of the company. Um, and it's either up to the fans to accept it or not. That's their, that's their right. Yeah. As a consumer, you can either buy a product or not buy a product. Um, in terms of backing off his push, bottom line, I think he should have been a heel years ago. Because mm-hmm. he, to me, comes up, looks like a heel and acts like a heel. I think if he'd have been a heel, people would have accepted him more because they'd have been able to boo him. Yeah, and sort of get it out. And, and like, get it out yeah. and get it over with. Yeah. And the bigger heel you are, the bigger Bayface you'll be tomorrow. So Unless you're Vader. Vader just, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, yeah. He's the, there's an exception to every rule, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Throw, let's throw Star Wars out of this. Mm-hmm. Out of this. Um, can I interject here? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's really cool about Roman Reigns is that he has the Tony Soprano going on. And what I mean by that is he's a good guy and he's a bad guy, and people love him for both of those things. Mm -hmm. So does he really need to be a heel or does he need to be a bad guy? We don't know, but it brings in more people if you like both of those things. Think think about that for a second. Yeah, if you can play both sides of the aisle, the the better off. there's an opportunity Because you can fall back Mm -hmm. into one or the other, depending on which one's more popular. I see that. That's my opinion on what's going on. I think there's an opportunity there within what you guys are saying that um, he could, over time, Mm -hmm. um, maybe develop into the next tweener. You you, you feel where I'm going with that? Mm -hmm. Be the next order. Mm -hmm. He could be the next order. Who can play both sides, doesn't matter. Who can play both sides, yeah. Here... You won as a, a talent. If you're a heel and you're not a full-blown heel, mm-hmm. you're not a face, you're not a full-blown face, mm-hmm. you want people to love to hate you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where Roman's at. They love to hate him, but no matter what, they have an opinion of him. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, he's winning. Because yeah. either you're cheering him or you're booing him, but you're not being silent. At least you love something about him. There's something. Yeah. Either I love him or I hate him or I love to hate him, yeah. but there's an emotional connection. I like to refer to what you just said right there as as the Chad Kroger effect. <laughs> you don't you remember yeah, that? Yeah, it's, yep. it, it's the same thing. Did you just bring fucking Nickelback up? Hold on, bro, 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 bro. Because no, it makes sense. With hold on, but hold on. Nickelback and Creed are in the same freaking thing, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I love them both. And 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 they are laughing. They are laughing their way to the bank. Yes. People hate them, but they are bank. You know what yeah, though? You hate them, but you show up to the concert to boo them. <laughs> But you, you still you bought a ticket. Bought ticket. Yeah, yeah. So you can boo me all you want. I still have your 1995 in my hand. With arms wide open. With arms wide open. That's the <laughs> same thing with that's Nickelback and Creed right next to each other. Okay, I got a guilty pleasure question. Yes. Right. Breathe by Nickelback, the best song. Nobody heard it. Bruh. <laughs> right? Right? Hold on. Uh, song by Creed, Six Foot Under. I think it's Bruh. Bruh. I'm six feet from the ground. I'm thinking... Maybe six feet ain't so far feet, down. Exactly. Um, all right. One of my pleasure questions is: um, What was it like when you were working in DNA? What was it like to work with Sting? Bro, that 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 was off the charts. That was off the charts good because Cause that's because like as much as as much as there's a large part of me that's fanboying over mm-hmm. having to got to have known you and met you and everything, like. You would see me like uh, as a little girl in a dress, like what? Yeah. Like if I ever got to be around Sting, Sting that's, is, that's um, been my guy forever. He's, people say, "Be careful to meet those you admire because they'll let you down." Mm-hmm. Sting is the opposite. Well, of that So far, you're doing great. Well, I'm trying, <laughs> but Sting is the kind of guy where he's better when you meet him than what you thought he was going to be. Really. Um. He's a solid dude who wants nothing more than this business to succeed, and he wants you wants everyone to succeed with him. Mm-hmm. And when I was put in a position of producing him as an agent, oh, okay. I'd walk in and go, you know, Sting, we're going to do this, this, and this. He goes, okay, how can we make that better? Wow, <laughs> like now he's challenging me to think more, and and he was such a pleasure to be around. And he's one of those guys that you hope to be when you grow up. Yeah. That's Sting. Yeah, I, I like whenever he does in WCW, um, I'd say we 
we fanboyed pretty heavy back then. You and I were both big, huge oh, yeah. fans. Dude, and yeah, every, I mean, but like, who wasn't back then? Uh, Sting was Chris, Sting was a big he was a big draw, especially when he transformed over into the Crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, he that, was, you know he was he yeah. was he was black trench coat Sting, and for a year didn't say a word, just was in the rafters. Well, like, and, and I know from having read other stuff that he'd like, you know, he went through his, like everyone does. We all through, go through it. He went through his own personal demons. And mm-hmm. all that. We all do. Yeah. Um, but the thing, well, okay, so I, I have a question leading off of that then. Okay. Um, when he made the transition, finally making it into WWE, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to blame Seth or anything because things happen in the ring. I mean, everyone knows that, right? Mm-hmm. But like, like, do you think? With, without feeling like you're gonna hang yourself for giving an opinion, mm-hmm. do you think that do you think WWE kind of dropped the ball when it came to Sting? Because because as a fan, and like I said, I understand I'm just on the outside, but as a fan, like I can accept that what happened to him is what happened. Mm-hmm. That's just it is what it is. But there's a part of me that's like, yeah, sorry, not for me to drone on, but just uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, like I can accept that what happened is what happened, yes. and, and he's even cool with it. So as a fan, I have to accept that. Yes, but part of me is. Part of me is just sort of like, 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 oh, the WrestleMania thing. As a fan, it didn't make sense because I'm like, mm-hmm. you got these guys coming down that he was against. These guys are coming down to quote unquote help him, but he was against these guys whenever he was in there. My thing is, and let, let's let's address because there's several layers to that question. Okay. Um, let's put it on record: injuries happen in the ring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What we do is not ballet. Well, we know it's, it's. I know firsthand. It, it's you know if you've been there, you, you nobody knows unless you've been in the ring, and this is not we're not the Rockette, so it's not this seamless performance of chore choreographed moves. Yeah. yeah. Um. So injuries, accidents happen. Mm-hmm. We all know what we're going into when we sign up for this. Yeah. We know, and we accept whatever fate happens. Now. 99.999% of the time, we come out of the ring the same way we went in. Maybe we walk around a little back. Our back hurts 20 years later. <laughs> all right. But our knees, our our knee switch. What, yeah. What, yeah, what, yeah. Who needs cartilage? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I <laughs> but injuries happen, and we all understand. So let's put that aside. Oh, yeah, yeah, and there's, there's no blame on either side. Secondly, when it comes to Sting and WWE, I think it happened too late. I think it, I think it took too long to get there, and that's no fault of anyone's. Once again, timing, opportunity, oh, yeah. circumstance. I believe that happened ten years earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like when he was still hot in TNA. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like watching that match. If you don't mind me interjecting, watching that match with him and uh, Hardy, where Hardy was having his issues. Yes. Yeah. Um, I what what I saw there was sort of stinging at the top of his game, mm-hmm. and he was just like. Having had a little bit more insight from seeing a few more actually <clears throat> talking about it, mm-hmm. was like he wasn't like angry, angry at him mm-hmm. for he wasn't aimlessly angry at him. He was just sort of like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you blowing this opportunity to Hardy? I, I would so, I would say yeah. more too because we've all walked we've all walked a path, yeah. whether we admit it or not. We've all walked a path. Where we can see both sides, mm-hmm. and I think Sting was more disappointed. Yeah, yeah, coming from like a mentorish kind of. Way, yes, right? because yeah. he he had already been down that road. Yeah, and you can look at you. You always knew Jeff is going to be something special. Yeah, and was and was going to be again, and it was kind of like here's this mentor going. Why would you waste this opportunity? Exactly. And yeah, as a as a fan, I I think it did happen a little too late, um, because I just. The idea of you probably heard the uh, phrase or, or saying whatever he's like he's the best wrestler never before he was yes. in there. He's the best wrestler never to work for Vince McMahon. Yes. Yeah. I, I kind of wish that he had, he had, it had stayed that way and that would have been his legacy. But it was a catch twenty two. I see that they that it was if it was if it was timed a little better, it would have been so much. You know, so much better just a pop than, than what it was. I mean, it was still a, you know, everybody wanted it to happen. But they were just waiting for when. I just think it, it, I agree. And I just think 
I love Sting. I love him. I love him. I love him. Um, I just think it happened. Either it should have never happened, or it should have happened ten years earlier, or five years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and once again, then circumstances, w- w- injuries happened, which derailed everything, and it was never the same. And then you know, hey, pe- people said yes, Sting was the best guy I never signed with Vince, but a million dollars will change that real quick. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. A million dollars will change that. So you can't blame them? No, no. Oh, no. I wouldn't no blame, blame No blame to go around. Just, it's just that. Yeah, n- not even with the first, the first part of the question. Like, 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 the oh, injury yeah. thing? Yeah. That's yeah. no blame there. Yeah. Because, like, from what I've heard, everything I've heard, like, like Seth Rollins was, like, a, a standout guy. St- so, uh, I've, I've known Seth since he was Tyler Black in Ring yeah. of Honor, okay? Black, yeah. And I've had several conversations with him long before... He was in NXT or long before he became Seth Rollins. Yeah. And he is one of the guys who he wants nothing but this business to give to everybody, not just him, but to everybody. Yeah. And he wants to, he's a kind, caring soul mm-hmm. who, who cares about all the guys in the back, all the girls in the back. Yeah. And, and he, wants to, he wants everyone to make money. So, you know, <clears throat> shit happens. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hate I hate to say it that bluntly, but shit no, happens. No, 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 it does. And and coming from me, that takes a lot to say that. And it took me a long time to get to that point in my life where I could say that, but shit happens. And you can't there's there's no blame in this. That's like that's like in football when someone tackles somebody and the guy breaks his leg. You don't blame the guy who tackled him, you say shit happens. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's totally and that ties into the whole, you know, we knew what we we, we, I knew what I was signing up for. I knew when I was going to be 40, my back was going to hurt. We hope you've enjoyed the first half of our D'Lo Brown interview. And hopefully next week you will join us back for the second half. Uh, we will be releasing these uh, in one in the next week instead of next fortnight uh, because uh, of it being a two-part interview. And hopefully you guys want to you know hear that second half sooner than two weeks from now. And we will... See you then.